New ways for organizations to authenticate users is a trend that will continue in 2013. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group. And to talk about authentication, I'm pleased to be speaking with Steve Vincic. He's Vice President and Partner of Global Security Solutions for IT Service Provider Unisys. Welcome, Steve. Thank you, Eric. Good to talk with you today. What's new about authentication? What we're going to see different within organizations and how they approach authentication? Well, we see two major trends really on the authentication front, and it's really tied to the adoption uh, of technology today. And uh, restaurant mobility is a key aspect of it, and then biometric technology as well. So I'll touch on mobility first. And, and as we're seeing mobility adoption increasing in every facet, right, in the consumer world as well as the corporate world and government environment, we're seeing a need to come up with better and stronger authentication capabilities that allow us to secure those devices. And what we're also seeing, though, is that the adoption of mobility solutions is really opening up the infrastructure. So before, where an organization could have a very fortified environment with a single active directory infrastructure for authentication and storing of credentials, now we're dealing with cloud infrastructures and multiple identities within different environments. So the idea of federated identity is, in a sense, going out the window because there's so many different identity environments out there. And we're seeing mobility as being a catalyst to drive that adoption. What we are noticing on the mobility front is that people are needing to find a better way to secure, a better way to authenticate themselves as they access applications on those devices or as they perform transactions. You say there's a need for stronger authentication for these mobile devices. Can you give us some examples of stronger authentication and how we'll see this being implemented? Sure. There are a few different things that we're doing for customers today, and, and we see the adoption kind of increasing. One is around multi-factor authentication, where you'll have a basic PIN still to get into your mobile device. Most people use a four-digit PIN or something, and, and, and that's a good basic security mechanism. But what we're finding is when you want to connect those devices to corporate networks or you want to conduct transactions, that we're seeing those companies want to have a second form of authentication, which comes in a couple different flavors. One could be a one-time password kind of software-based token or hardware token that you have was something you know, a little bit more traditional, I guess. That gives you that one-time password functionality. Another option is where you do a, a one-time password, but it's actually sent to the mobile device. So it's a SMS message that gets sent to that specific phone number and allows you to use that as another one-time password, whether it's a challenge response type of mechanism where I might have to answer a personal question that only I would know, and then I get an immediate one-time password sent to me on that phone, or it's just a you know, as I conduct that transaction, it authenticates the phone number and then sends back a password to me. When he says it sends a one-time password, this is a password to get into the, the device itself and to, or into applications on the device? Get into applications on the device or to within the device and the applications that might be on that device. So let's take the example of a banking application. So I've logged into my device. Now I want to launch my banking application to transfer funds. With that banking application, I could be required to use my username and a PIN or my username, a PIN, and a, a second authentication factor, which might be a one-time password, in order to conduct and, and approve that transaction. And that, that's what's being sent by a text message? 
Right, exactly. The third area and what we're seeing an increased adoption around is the use of biometrics, especially with mobile devices, and using biometrics as a form of authentication. The reason for that adoption is twofold. One, the major providers out there, like Google, for example, they're building face recognition into the operating system. So it's a core capability that's in that phone and that the applications on that phone can take advantage of or that uh, you know the, the phone itself, the, the operating system itself can use as a way to authenticate that user through the cameras that are obviously in all you know mobile devices today, the ability to use that as an authentication mechanism. And so that's one aspect of it. And then the other is just the devices themselves. And because they have the cameras in them and because the, the voice quality, uh, you know, the microphone and, and the technology behind that has matured to a point where the voice quality is sufficient enough for voice biometrics, where it might ask me for a specific phrase, for example, uh, that I had to repeat back and it matches up my voice print in the background around or it can ask for a random phrase that's used for you know, more of a liveness detection so you can't record someone's voice and then play it back. But two ways that I don't need another device in order to conduct this strong authentication. I can use my phone for the biometric aspect to authenticate me by face and then I can conduct my transaction online all within that same device. Are these devices being used as instruments of authentication to get into other types of systems and how so? They are. Yeah, absolutely. A couple of different things there as well. So one thing we're seeing with mobile devices now with the, you know, again, I'll maybe go back to those one-time passwords, whereas a couple of years ago, everybody used to carry around these these fobs, right, that had this little digital readout on it that gave you a one-time password that changed every 60 seconds or something. And you could enter that into, you know, VPN into your, your enterprise. Today, now with mobile devices, they have a, you know, a software-based application. So a soft token is what they call it that can be placed onto the phone that does that one-time password generation for you. So you can use that the phone, which it's tied to, you know, that, that software fob is tied to that phone. So there's a kind of a back-end validation that occurs that says, okay, I'm, you know, I'm providing this phone number and this unique phone ID with this software token, and I'm associating it to that end user. And so now when I authenticate, it gives me a stronger level of assurance that that person is who they say they are. And then the other areas around payments and using near-field communications and where we've seen a, a lot of near-field communication use in, in Europe and other parts of the world in Asia-Pacific region, we're going to see increased adoption of NFC or near-field communications in the U.S. in the coming year. Why don't you define near-field communications? It's a chip that is in the phone that emits an RF frequency ID, basically, that allows me to communicate with a reader that might be a, a few inches away. And so I can select to just hold my phone up to that payment and it'll conduct that transaction. So I don't have to touch it. I don't have to insert a card. I don't uh, have to you know, give my phone to someone else to do, to do the transaction. I can just hold my phone up to the payment system and it'll wirelessly conduct that transaction. And you'll see this in use a lot around kiosk type environments. So within the corporate world where you might have kind of open kiosks where multiple people could come up and use that system to conduct some type of transaction, they could use that their phone with a near-field communication device embedded in that phone to authorize or authenticate themselves into that kiosk. Let's step back and take a look at the role of a CISO or other people responsible for organizations' information security. What do they need to know to start implementing these kinds of authentication? What kind of staffing do they need? 
Yeah, that's the big question at the end of the day. Typically, you'll see security is almost a cost center, you know, risk mitigation strategy. And what we're seeing is security is an enabler to conduct business, to being more productive. And by doing that through the use of, of having mobile devices and platforms that the user is, can more easily conduct transactions, but in a secure manner. We're tying different types of ROI analysis to this, and, and that's done through an assessment of your business processes and, and looking at you know kind of business today. How do I conduct these transactions today? For example, my time card processes. Do I have to have a, a user log into a web-based application and authenticate with username and password, and then enter in their time? Whereas maybe you know going to a mobile platform with a, a mobile application that does this, it's already kind of pre-authenticate because it, it pulls up unique. Information information about my phone. It knows that I've had to use a, a, a complex PIN or one-time password to get into the application. It allows me to conduct that transaction on the phone now, still in a secure way that meets the security requirements within the government environment, but is more efficient use, right? So increases work productivity. So it's part of a business process approach where we kind of go into an organization, help them kind of classify their information at the front end. And then once you do that, you can start to look at the systems and the processes behind them to see, are there ways I can automate this through mobile technology um, or through putting it in the cloud, for, exa you know, for example. So there's cost savings associated with, with bringing applications into the cloud. And once you start having those discussions, you know, the security question always pops up. Okay, well, how do I secure my data in the cloud? How do I make sure my users are authenticated properly? Then you start opening up you know, that can of worms around federated identity with, within a, a government organization. When they're starting to put data out in the cloud that they don't own, as well as you know, other third-party contractors might have some of their data and their users are having to authenticate into those multiple environments. It's really helping the, the CISO kind of work through the business process that they have to uh, manage the use of these mobile devices in their infrastructure and know that their end users are going to find a way to access that information and being able to put the right authentication protocols and right processes in place that will help maintain that you know, those user enhancements or user productivity gains with the mobile device while still maintaining that same level of security that uh, I know my user's been authenticated properly. Thanks, Steve. Great. Thank you, Eric. I've been speaking with Steve Vincic, Vice President and Partner, Global Security Solutions for IT Services Provider Unisys. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.